Oh, hello, weary travelers. Come on in. It looks like the bod is about to begin. I'll pour the ales over the stories, fables, and tales about the bards, battle axes, and bows taking out their ferocious foes. Just take a listen to the tales that we spin here at the Carriage Rest Inn. Previously on Carriage Rest Tales. Vasso grew up on a quiet farmstead in the half-orc capital of Amberton. Vasso has no memories of his mother, but was always close to his father, a simple farmer who wanted nothing more than for Vasso to stay on the farm, leading a peaceful, quiet, and safe life. But then came the fateful day when Vasso learned he had the gift of the light. In a moment of desperation, he conjured a shield of light, saving several Amberton citizens from a Denoa attack. Despite this incredible feat, seeing the golden shards of those he was unable to save instilled in him an insatiable need to grow stronger. Vasso's pacifist father was furious when Vasso announced his intent to join the Order, but ever the supportive parent, he did nothing to stop Vasso from leaving. After all, every man must find their own place in the world. Vasso has now been a member of the Order of Light for about four months. In that time, he has developed friendships with his teammates Woods and Nomis, their leader Benson, and his fellow recruits. But he has not forgotten his roots, regularly sending his father gifts and notes, and using the skills he learned back on the farm. His strength grows by the day, yet he remains unsatisfied, begging the question, is it truly strength that he seeks, or something else? Let us join Vaso as he contemplates his journey so far and is tested like never before on this special episode of Carriage Rest Tales. All right, and welcome to another episode of Carriage Rest Tales. I'm your host and one of the Dungeon Masters, Mike. For this episode, we are doing a spotlight on Vaso, you know, to really dive into what makes Vaso tick. So without further ado, in front of me... Uh, yeah, this is Nick. I play Vaso, the half-orc barbarian. And uh, omnidirectionally to the both of them, this is John, your second DM. So last episode, you were helping set up this stage for the upcoming Festival of Lights. But you were a little bit tired and didn't want to stick around because you wanted to head back to bed. So you made it successfully back to the Order of Light got up to your room, and what exactly is Vaso's bedtime routine? You know, he, he was always taught to clean up before he goes to bed, you know, because usually he's on the farm, and you know, um, when he's on the farm, he's at the end of the day, he's usually pretty dirty. So, you know, he usually goes to the bathroom, washes up, you know, nothing too crazy. He usually, you know, sits on the bed and just kind of meditates for a minute, you know, just to calm his brain down, you know, sort of sort of wind down for the night, and then... A little bit of mindfulness? Yeah, a little bit of mindfulness. Um, you know, got to get, got to let all that rage go. You know? A very barbarian. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, barbarians got to sleep too. So you know, you got to have that, got to have that uh, ritual to, you know, have a a peaceful night night of sleep. So does he uh, have boxers? Does he wear pajamas? What's he got? Yeah, I mean, he just he, he has like boxers that he usually wears. Um, you know, it's usually pretty light. He doesn't doesn't bundle up too much. Gotcha. So. All right. Are you sleeping well this evening? Do you have a lot of running through your mind? How's Vaso? How's his mental space at the moment? You know, he he is a little uneasy from, you know, what happened back at Grandma's place. He's still a little uneasy about the whole other Carmine type thing and his teammates not 
closing the rift right away like that you know that 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 kind of bothered him and he's still that's still kind of in the back of his mind and he's you know contemplating like you know when do i you know should i tell benson like when you know i he feels like he's betraying the order by not telling benson gotcha. um, about what happened so you're tossing and turning as you're kind of trying to fall asleep the meditation kind of helped you relax a little bit but you're still it's just tough like you're rolling around rolling around after a little bit of while you hear Nomis come in in your adjoining room and he's kind of making a lot of noise and it's kind of getting frustrated. It's kind of making you kind of lull out of your weak slumber that you already had going on. And then you hear the music box open up and it kind of catches your ear and you hear like, a, uh, and then you kind of roll over and look over and you see the tabaxi form of Nomis, but something seems off. And when you're looking at him, instead of seeing the green eyes of Nomis staring back at you, you're met with the intense gaze of lavender purple eyes looking directly at you. Uh, yeah, so Vasto is going to sit up. As you go to sit up, a smoky shadow emits from the tabaxi figure and shoots f- towards you. You then feel the floor, or in this case, your bed, give out underneath you and you feel like you're beginning to fall. As you're falling, an intense pain shoots through your whole body, like you're dropped in a vat of acid, and your sense of direction vanishes as you're stricken with an intense vertigo. What feels like a minute later, but is really only about a second later, you land hard against your mattress as you hear a loud crack, and you're thrown from the bed as you tumble down a small hill. You still kind of have that vertigo feeling, so you're kind of like shaking your head, and you finally get your bearings and you look up, and about 20 feet above you, you see the last flickering remains of a rift being stitched closed. So am I still in my room or do I know? Like, I'll give you a hint. You're starting to get angry. Okay. And you are definitely not in your room. Okay. As you look around, the air here is thick with volcanic ash. It's hot and dry, burning your lungs with each inhale. Your eyes sting as particles of ash hit them and the smell of sulfur overtakes your nostrils. And then you start to feel the heat, the naked feet sitting or standing in this case in a little pillow of ash as you start feeling that kind of burn around you and looking all around you you see a landscape that kind of looks maybe like a barren forest there's some trees and shrubs that are struggling to survive but the landscape's pretty much just mounds of rocks and drifts of ash so vasto is gonna grab his axe do not have your axe hey, I don't, it didn't it didn't go with me nope the no. only thing that made it through was your bed and yourself and your boxers oh boy okay <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, so there's nothing around, like no weapons around for me to grab? Um, Is there anything, like any branches that I can maybe use as a club? Yeah. you. There's some debris around. You see debris. You also still have your bed. As you remember, thinking back, you did have a large cracking sound, so you get a sense that maybe your bed kind of broke up a little bit, so you might be able to find uh, like a... So I'm going to try to rip a post off and, you know... Could, you know, he's in defense mode. Like, he's looking for something to, to start swinging at anything that comes at him. <laughs> okay, so you're just holding a bedpost yeah. as a club. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, and then he's going to look around and, you know, try to... <laughs> he, he's very he's very lost right now. He's very... He, he doesn't know what to do. But yeah, yeah, so as you're looking around feeling lost, you start to really take stock of your situation. And you start to notice details you didn't initially. When you first got here, you smelled ash. It was hot. It was dry. uh, It was dark. But now you're looking around and you're seeing that what you're standing in actually seems to be some very, very old ruins. 
You see the remains of arches and support columns. You see just little things here and there that that really tell you that you are standing in what used to be a structure and has long since been overrun. Okay. So in his mind, he you know, he he's in danger, so he needs to he needs to move. So he's just going to start heading in a direction. He doesn't know where, but he's just going to start start moving because in his mind, like somebody's watching him, somebody's going to you know make a move on him. So you know he's gonna he's gonna start moving. You trying to be stealthy? Yeah. Yeah. So make a make a stealth roll. So he's gonna roll right. a d20. He's gonna add his stealth modifier, which is a dexterity based skill. Yep. I right, so I got I got plus one for that. And he doesn't have proficiency in it. So it's just plus one. Barbarians are not famously very stealthy. No, they're not. Actually, I have plus two. Sorry. Um, well, I rolled a five. Well, that, that is a very stealthy barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I rolled a five, so seven total. So yeah. <laughs> you were able to spot a little, what remains of an archway, and you kind of hunch over and shimmy over there, and you kind of stand behind it, try to get like a little bit of cover behind it, and so you're like peeking out and looking around. You definitely see that you have a trail that's following you in the ash. Because there is a thick, maybe four or five inch layer of ash covering the landscape. Okay. So you can definitely see where your you know trail is going because it's I think of like fresh powder, like and you just okay. made this trail. Um are there any like le- like dead leaves that I could use to cover my trail up? Yeah, I'd say you make your way over to one of those kind of barrenish licking shrubs and you being the barbarian, you could just rip it out of the ground. Mm-hmm. So you can use that to maybe drag behind you to clean up your trail as you're walking. Is that what you're thinking? Yep. Yeah, I okay. want to. I want to cover my trail and uh, cover cover my tracks. <laughs> okay. So as John had kind of mentioned, you definitely find yourselves in kind of like a old ruins. So you, as you're walking around, you definitely see and you feel because you are barefoot at the moment. You keep stepping on like rubble and rocks, and you'll see like, oh, there's a pile of rocks over here, and the pile of rocks over here. And you kind of place that. Oh, those might be old houses, maybe. Okay. They're kind of next to each other, but far enough away. And then you see another little archway. And then you step on something kind of sharp, and you kind of dust through the ash a little bit. And you find maybe it's a sword, but it's really, like, rusty and broken and kind of, you know, but it is metal. Okay. And it definitely isn't, like, natural metal. It's definitely been forged into something, maybe a, a knife or maybe a sword, but you can't quite tell. Okay. Um, so I'm going to try to pull that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have any trouble pulling it out, or is it, nope. just, is it just loose? Nope, it's loose. So okay, you have two so, weapons on you now. You have a bedpost and a broken sword. <laughs> yeah, well, um, so, so it's 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 like a sword, like cut in half, sort yep. of. Yeah, I think of like a half a hilt, and then you know about halfway up the blade, it's been shattered. Okay, so it's like the size of a dagger at this point. Okay, um, so I'm thinking I was gonna like maybe tie it to the end of my bedpost that if I swing, it'll stab okay you don't really see anything to tie anything with except for off in the distance you see your bed still there so if you want to head back and get some sheets off it you can maybe get some sort of thing to tie together okay but that'd be going back to where you fell in so i'm not going to make that decision for you yeah um he's thinking that but he he doesn't want to he wants to keep moving so he's gonna he's gonna keep moving i mean you gotta you got a little bit of cloth around your waist right now technically you do yeah, but I don't want to be naked. <laughs> I want to keep. I want to keep this episode G-rated. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Sounds uh, good. Do me a favor, make a perception check. Perception. Okay. All right. So I get nothing for perception. So 
Uh, I rolled a 14. All right, you hear, uh, as you're sitting there contemplating what you can use to cobble these two things together, you you just hear some, like, shuffling around coming from a couple of different directions, and you're not exactly sure what the sound is, and there there is some ambient sound in the area. It's not like there's not things rustling in the background or wind howling you you, there is ambient noise but something about this noise just kind of sticks out to you almost like a like a clicking sound okay and go ahead and roll a dexterity saving throw as something kind of jumps out of the ash at your feet okay uh five plus two seven so out of the ash a creature that looks like an ant but the size of a cat comes lashing out and it just grabs onto your calf as it bites you for four piercing damage as you feel a little bit of venom kind of enter into your bloodstream. Okay. Dang it, uh, Gnomus, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it Um, looks like an ant, but it's just the cat size. Okay. And it Um, has that same, you just know by looking at it because of that same dark, hazy, smoky feel of it that this is a Denova creature that's bitten you. Okay. Um, yeah, you, you pretty much recognize those on site now. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to swing at it <laughs> or actually I'm going <laughs> to not, I'm not, I'm not going to swing at it yet. Um, I'm just going to grab it. it. It's pretty small. It's cat size. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to grab it and pull it off of me first. Okay. And then I'm going to try to throw it away. So you pick it up and you can throw it. It's again, pretty light. You're a big strong barbarian. You get that. But as it lands, it kind of brushes up some of the ash. And then you start realizing that that clicking sound you're kind of hearing all around you, you start seeing that the ash is starting to shuffle and move and kind of vibrate all around you as you have successfully, or not successfully, accidentally walked into a cluster of these little ant-sized, or cat-sized ant creatures. Great. And you find yourself surrounded. Okay. Um, so we're going to go into initiative, but it's two combatants here. It's yeah, my okay. creatures and you, so your turn. <laughs> so that clicking noise, is that is that's just the noise that the ant things are making? Yeah, you realize it was actually the sound of their their feet tapping on the ground. Okay. I don't recognize so that. So now that you're in the nest, you're... Uh, you're hearing an awful lot of that. All right, great. Okay, um, so he's going to first. He's going to cast light shield. Okay. Um, around myself to just for some protection Sounds for the next for the next guy to jump at me. So, um, I believe that's a bonus action. Yeah, it is a bonus action. Okay. Um, are there any of them really close to me right now? Yes, there would definitely be some next to you because. We're saying at this point, it's hard for you to tell, but you would guess there's at least maybe 20 to 25 of these little monsters around you, kind of clattering and chirping and um, eventually getting closer and closer to you. Basically, okay. like each time you turn to look at one direction, the ones behind you sneak a little closer. Okay. Um, skittering is probably the skittering, right Skittering. Thank you. That's what I was trying to think <laughs> of. <laughs> All right. So he's going he's gonna to swing at one of them, the closest one to him. And you're gonna see if that does anything with his um with the the bedpost. So I'll just roll D twenty, uh thirteen. Um, do I get to add anything to that? I I mean normally you would at least add your straight. Yep. Okay, so uh sixteen total. So you feel like you are dead on to hit this creature. Okay. But as you pass through the creature, it kind of lets off this little like you don't feel it meet any meat. And it just passes right through the creature. 
kind of just goes through. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, now he's going to cast Light Shield. Uh, so the caster generates a thin shimmer of light around their body used to deflect incoming blows. Take 1d4 soul damage. This damage is then added to your AC. Okay, so you're adding... All right, so three. So you're adding three armor class to your armor already. You don't have armor on you, so I think it's eight plus your dex. Uh, I think it's dex or constitution. Dex or constitution, whichever yeah. one's higher. Okay. I think so. I don't think it's dependent on class. I think it's whichever one's higher. Okay. Okay, so um, so I have three for constitution. That's my higher one. So, so be 11, 11. And then add three. So that's so 14. 14. 14 for this one. Okay. So as you cast that, you kind of get ready for this onslaught of monsters that are going to be coming towards you. And five of them finally bring up the courage to kind of lash out at you. And three of them kind of bounce right off of your armor. Just bounce, bounce, bounce. Okay. You can see them reflecting off of that light shimmer that you have. So you know that it's doing its job. But two of them do get a land on you and you take a total of... Uh, five piercing damage as they kind of think of like um, fire ants. Like they bite on and then they just like hold on. So they're kind of attached to your body now. Okay. Uh, oh, I have to I have to clarify something for, for us and our listeners. Barbarians have unarmored defense. Okay. So while you're not wearing armor, your armor class equals 10 plus your dex modifier plus your constitution modifier. Ooh, plus two. So you have three. Dex, Con, and plus three, Vaso. So you might actually be doing pretty okay for armor. Okay. In your boxers. <laughs> All right. So that would be 10 plus your three for Constitution is 13, plus your two for Dex. Yep. So it's 15. 15 plus the, plus the three, three from the shield. All right. So only one got you. <laughs> Four of them bounced off. Okay. Um, and let me get their damage real fast. Man, you, you're like. You got plate boxers on, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, so you have one of these monsters that's attached onto you for one damage. Thanks for linking that up, John. Yep. Well, well, I feel like our uh, our party members here have an advantage over most D and D players because I want things to be correct for the players. So if I have my doubts, I'm going to look it up and I'm going to tell the player about the thing that's on yeah. their character sheet that could help them out, which yep. normally I, your I, DM I, is I not probably, inclined to do for you. Yeah, I probably should have done that. You're good. <laughs> um. Okay, so he, so Vasa's looking around. He sees all these guys around here. He's like, okay, I got to get out of here. Like, there's got to be an escape. He, so he's actually going to try to, I don't know if he can do this, but he's going to try to, he's going to try to open a rift because he knows he's on the other side. Okay, sounds good. Um, so I, I think he's going to try to maybe use his rift stitch, but, but try to open one instead. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I like this idea. <laughs> so go ahead and cast your rift stitch and see what happens. Um, okay, so that's 1d4 damage. So one. At least it's a little damage. <laughs> yeah. So the light starts to form around you like you're used to doing. Right. And you see this even, like, let's say you see it stream into a stream like it's trying to stitch something together, but then it just fizzles out because it can't find a rift to close. Okay. That's a bonus action, so you still have an action. Yeah. And a movement. Okay. Um, he's going to pull the one guy off and throw him. Okay. And then he's going to start running back to it towards his bed. As you're running back towards the bed, you are going to be attacked by a handful of them. Um, in this case, you're going to get attacked by four since you're moving out of range of the other ones, but you are surrounded, so you only have a, you know so much of a chance. 
Only one of them does hit you for seven damage because he oh. actually got a crit on you. So he grabs you like by the Achilles heel. So you're kind of slowed down a little bit and it's latched onto you just like the other ones. But you are now out of that little swarm area, so you're ahead of these creatures. Okay. Um, so first thing he's going to do is going to pull this guy off and throw him. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I feel like that's pretty obvious. Um, and does he, he does he make it back to his bed? Yeah, I would say at this point you can outrun the monsters, but they are chasing you. So think of it like your movement speed is 30 feet, I think. Okay. Their movement speed is 20 feet. So if you're in this like run, you're going to outpace them, but they're also just constantly following you. Okay. And every time you look back, you swear there's more of them. All right. Um, yeah, he's he's just going to keep running the other <laughs> way. He doesn't... Uh, okay, so when he gets to the bed, does he feel like... Is there... Does he notice anything, like, different from... Like, does he feel different? Or does, nope. he, does he feel a rift or anything? Does not no. feel a rift okay. there. All right, so he's going to keep running. Okay. And he's, he's just going to look around for rifts. All right, so you're just running around looking for rifts, running around looking for rifts, and... You don't see any. You don't see any. Okay. But at this point, you have outpaced the nest that you have stepped in. So you are at least safe from that as a plus. Okay. Um, so we're out of combat. All right. So there's... I'm trying to think. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, I, I got to think here. I got to think. Yeah, Vasto, like, he, he's just, you know, trying to catch his breath now um, and just, just trying to think. Um, he knows how to close a riff but he doesn't know how to open one. What is Vasa doing while he's thinking? He, he's thinking about, like, how um, how Benson opened the rift, like, during the first, uh, episode, or the first uh, like, practice session. Yep. You know, but he, I, I believe he used a device for that. Um, he just, he's, he's trying to find any way to get back to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking about, I mean, he's starting to think about home and, Go ahead and roll a perception check. 16 plus, yeah, I don't get anything for perception. 16. Okay, so you hear some, it's not chittering this time, but you definitely hear, and it kind of sounds like some vocals, but not in a language you don't understand. And because of that, you're going to get advantage on your dexterity saving throw. Okay. As you look over to the side and you see a, it looks kind of like a, a small, like, Komodo dragon-sized monster. You remember those we fought earlier? Yeah. It looks kind of like one of those, except for it's a little bit smaller. It's about 40 feet from you, and it is hands are currently glowing as it's chanting some sort of words as a fire spell comes shooting out at you. So go ahead and roll your dexterity saving throw at advantage to dive out of the way. Uh, 14. Roll it with advantage, so you get to roll it again. Oh, you take yeah, the higher yeah. the two numbers. Uh, 18. So. The first one was going to fail, so that's why I'm glad you rolled it. <laughs> you just dive barely out of the way as this uh, fireball just goes flying right over you, hitting a pillar on the other side and kind of exploding. But in that explosion, like in the light of the explosion, you spot that there are two other Komodo dragon things that look a little bit more beefy than the one that just casted something at you, and they're about 20 feet away from you. Okay. So kind of like while you were contemplating thinking these creatures, which you would know as Denoa, have kind of been setting up a attack on you. Okay. Um, so we're back in combat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm actually going to run to the first one. The one that cast it at you? Yeah. I'm going to, I don't think I can make it to him because my run is 30 feet. So I'm going to, I'm just going to start heading towards him. Okay. Because I have an idea. 
I hope so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it didn't like getting rushed by you. So it's going to, as you get closer to it, flee because it realizes that his companions that were his you know, muscle are on the other side of you. <laughs> um, so he's fleeing and the other ones are chasing after you because they don't have magic. So they're trying to close the distance, but you're running away from. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to yell at it. No, miss. No, miss. <laughs> no, miss. <Okay>. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Are you um, still running at it? He, uh, no, like he, he's, He's been running a lot, so he's pretty tired. So he knows he needs to fight these other two guys now. So uh, he's going to turn around and basically ready in action for them. Okay. So you're ready in action. They are going to close the distance, and they are both going to take a swing at you. They each have like a little spear thing in their hands. And the first one swings at you a 19 to hit. I believe your armor class right now is 15. Yeah. So you're going to take six piercing damage from that first little spear. But on the plus side, you kind of keeled over with that hit, so the other spear went high. <laughs> so okay. you only got hit once. All right. And it's your turn. So for my ready in action, do I get another hit or? Oh, yeah, you had your ready action. Sorry. Yeah, that'll be on their turn. So what was your action you had ready? Um, the At the first guy, I was just going to hit him. Okay, so you're know. swinging your bedpost or the dagger. <laughs> Which yeah. one? Um, let's do the dagger. Okay, you're swinging the dagger. Uh, 15... Plus strength. Do I get strength for that one, too? You do. Okay, uh, 18 total. 18 total, and it's going to do 1d4 of damage, because you do hit. And that's 3 damage. Right. You deal 3 damage to this monster. It doesn't look like it really hurt it all that much. And then you realize it's a rusty sword that's now a dagger. <laughs> so okay. maybe it's just not doing much damage. because Oh, you do get you add your strength, though. So it's 3 plus... Uh, yeah, 3 plus 3, so 6. Okay. It took a little bit more. It looked like it hit a little bit more, but still not a lot. <laughs> Okay, um, and then for his actual turn, he's gonna he he realizes that the dagger's not doing much, so he's just gonna go two hands on the uh, the bedpost. Okay, sounds good. So, natty twenty. <laughs> That's unfortunate. As, <laughs> Batter up. <laughs> well, as you swing your bedpost, it same thing. The figure you're gonna connect with, you're like, I know I connected with this figure. But same thing, it's kind of like a shadowy fog as your weapon just goes right through them. This is the second time that's happened. And you remember that in order to fight Noah, you need to have a holy weapon. Okay. Your bedpost is not a holy not weapon. A holy weapon. Okay. I should have known that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Vato. So Vato puts that together. He's like, dang it. Okay. So he, he drops the bedpost now and he picks up his dagger. And yep. he, that's... That's what he's using <laughs> going okay. forward now. Sounds good. So, but yeah, that's. I think that's the end of my turn. Since you got a natty 20, I'm going to give you another attack because I want to recognize that you got a natty 20 and got okay. absolutely nothing <laughs> with it. All right. Uh, 13 plus 3, 16. All right. Yeah, you're able to hit with the dagger again. That's a 1d4. It earns you a do-over. <laughs> uh, so 1 plus my strength is 4 total. How is, well, you are in Dorma right now. So your aggression is already starting to feel a little bit high. You're thinking maybe Nomis, I, from your yeah. reaction, I, you're thinking maybe Nomis is pulling a trick on you. So you're getting a little angry with that. Yeah. Where is your mental space now? He's getting angry. He's getting angry. Okay. So you start yeah. to feel that rage kind of yeah. building up inside of you. Yep. As you are attacking these creatures, they're going to attack back at you because that's what creatures do. So you have two spear attacks coming at you. Uh, 12, I think, is going to miss. I think. Uh, yeah, miss. Okay. 18 is going to hit you for seven piercing damage as you get hit in the stomach. 
And then you start to hear that muttering kind of coming in from behind you again. But you're distracted a little bit with the, you know, things fighting you. So you're going to get disadvantage on your dexterity saving throw this time. Ten and seven. So seven and two is nine. You still beat my roll. Um, so <laughs> as you got stabbed in the gut by that spear, you kind of keeled over and a firebolt just went shooting right over the top of you. Okay. Uh, he sees that. And he is just getting frustrated. He is angry, and he is going to go into rage. I'm going to actually hand you something else because you're in Dorma. Your rage kind of just overpowered you a little bit more, and it started to seep out on your body. So go ahead and roll a 1d4. Uh, one. One? Okay, so you take, go ahead and take one damage. And what happens is you see kind of like you're casting that rift stitch. So you see your soul kind of coming out of you, you're entering into this rage, but then it flows down and covers your dagger that you're holding. And then you also start seeing that the bedpost is starting to glow as well. And you just intuitively know that you have casted the imbued object spell. Do you want to go ahead and read that for our listeners? Yep. Uh, imbued light. So the caster taps into their soul using that energy to temporarily coat a small to medium object in the gift of the light. Uh, take 1d4 soul damage. This damage is then used to coat any small or medium-sized object in the gift of light, uh, making it a holy weapon or holy armor. This effect dissipates after 24 hours. So you are now able to use both your dagger or okay. the bedpost because cool. they are both now magical weapons for this adventure. Cool. All right. I could use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's gone into rage and he's just... Uh, he sees that his bedpost turned, you know, into a uh, holy weapon. So he's just going to pick it up and just swing as hard as he can at the first guy. Right, right so next. That's good. Go ahead and roll. Oh, great. <laughs> Four plus three, seven. Uh, yeah, that does not hit. <laughs> he swings and a miss. But I do like that you're trying to swing and you're feeling a lot more normal with this type of weapon. It's a big, heavy club-like yeah. weapon. It feels very natural in your hand. So you're going to have proficiency like you normally would. Okay. Damage for it will be, I think it's a D10 if you're um, two-handing it. I'm okay. thinking of great clubs. I think they're a D10, so that will be your damage for it. But you missed. So they're going to attack you. They're little spear attacks. Um, 17 and a 16. I think they both hit you. Yep. So you're going to take no, I think our boy was at 18 AC. Uh, that was when he was casting the light shield, which has oh, that, dissipated. that's not a persistent effect? I do not believe so. Uh, uh, I think it's just a one. Here, let me, let me check. So the caster generates a thin shimmer of light around their body used to deflect an incoming blow. Oh, okay. So, or yep. in, incoming blows. Yeah. So, so it's just a one time okay. for that next round, which you use it perfectly. You were swarmed by something. You boosted your AC, so all yeah. of them didn't hit you. Yeah. I took that idea from the parry ability, whereas if you could see an attack coming, you can parry and add three to your armor class. Mm -hmm. But I was picturing it more like more than just one attack. So yeah. You did it right. Um, you took a total of seven piercing damage, and then you are going to get attacked by the character behind you. So go ahead and roll your dexterity saving throw as you hear this casting and chanting. Two plus two is four, and a natty 20. But it but, doesn't count. <laughs> but it doesn't count. And you just get hit in the back of the head by five fire damage as it kind of pushes you forward a little bit prone. How's it going over there? I'm dead. Are you dead? Yep, I'm right at 43. As you fall prone, you're trying to push yourself back up, but you're just getting swarmed by these dragonish type creatures. And you're just exhausted. You're injured. You can't get your footing. Like every time you get up, they just trip you back over and they're just keep pushing you down, pushing you down, pushing you down. You slowly start to be to lose consciousness as you feel these monsters then start to take little bites of your flesh. 
pulling you apart piece by piece. What is going through Vasa's head as he is painfully passing away in this most unfortunate of places and ways? He is screaming. <laughs> he, I mean, he's just screaming and like just completely losing it. So you are screaming until you start getting hoarse and you're still like trying to fight them off. Yeah. But how is your, your mental space right now? Just, I mean, he just feels absolutely defeated. Yeah, I mean, right. just absolutely defeated. Like this is, he's like, like, like this, really, yep. like this. So it's this rage is taking over you because you're in Dorma, and then you're failed, and you're just feeling so frustrated. And you're just having a lot of trouble processing anything that's happening around you as you're slowly passing. So you don't really notice what's coming on around you, but you know something's going around you, but you can't put it in the right order. At one point, you kind of feel like a rush of wind passes over you. And then at another point, you hear a voice in the distance. But maybe that was before the wind. Was it after? Like, you just can't put these together. You kind of feel the ground rumbling around you as they're running around you, beating on you and stuff. But then you also feel weightless, like you're flying through the air. It's just very confusing. Until lastly, you feel the grit of rock and ash scratching across your face. But you're too numb to even feel the pain. You just feel it scratching, but it doesn't hurt. It's a weird sensation. So you feel like you're getting dragged somewhere. But then everything goes black. The bod is needing a break, so I, your humble innkeeper, shall give a few announcements. Hey guys, it's Sam. I just wanted to take a quick moment and thank you so much for listening. If you hadn't had the opportunity yet, we really strongly encourage you to check out our website at caradresstales.com. You'll find links there for our Discord and our Instagram. Go ahead and follow us at at caradresstalesdnd. This is where we post a lot of funny in-studio videos and um, photos of us here. Thank you so, so much for following along on this journey. I cannot believe we're already knee-deep in season two. Again, we really appreciate that you can do anything with your time and you're choosing to spend it with us. I hope you enjoy the show. Great. It appears the bard is back and ready to continue his tale. First thing I want you to do, Vaso, is roll a d12 for me. Okay. Uh, Eight. Yeah, you recover eight hit points, and you wake up by the, the smallest fire that you would call a campfire that you've ever seen, and across the fire from you, facing kind of at a 45-degree angle, you and the distance behind you is a shadowy figure wearing thick, padded, like, it almost looks like leather armor, but not, not quite leather. It's definitely like a, a cloth armor, but it's... Something doesn't seem right. You know, you grew up on a farm. You've seen a lot of leather gear mm-hmm. and clothing, and you kind of recognize that is not traditional leather. Uh, he's going to get up, or he's going to sit up. Um, hey, he's alive. It's like, who are you? Who are you? Where am I? <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's much point in telling you. You won't like the answer. And uh, besides, I... You had to get out here somehow. I didn't think anybody was crazy to be out here except me. What, what, what are you talking about? Where are we? Are, are we on the on your? Are we on the other side? How, how do we get back? What do you mean the other side? You're in the runes, Death Wish. What, what are you talking about? Death Wish. You. 
You gotta have one for being out here in your skivvies like that. What? I I didn't mean to come out here. Some somebody sent me out here. Yeah, right. Nobody to send you here for miles. No, I'm I'm serious. Like I I how did, how did I get here? Like I I didn't I didn't want I don't want to be here. He looks at you and he's got this quizzical look on his face, and he says, "Huh, something tells me you might not be lying to me." Yeah, why why would I be out here in my boxers? <laughs> Uh, I was hoping you could tell me that, but I guess here we are with one of the great mysteries of the universe. All right, so Vasta, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna stand up and he's gonna he's gonna look around and you know uh, observe his surroundings, see you know see if he's still like see if he see see what he sees. <laughs> yeah, so you are in sort of it doesn't seem fair to call it a structure, but it's. Uh, like the remains of a roof that have collapsed and it, it's sort of formed a little shelter out of the ruins that only has like one big wide opening that, that takes up maybe uh, you, you kind of have three and a half walls around you mm-hmm. and you realize that your companion is angled so that he can see both you and the door. Uh, how, how long have you been here? Do you live here? Uh, I don't know if it'd be fair to say if I live anywhere at this point. More like surviving. Do you uh, do you know how to open a rift? What are you talking about, a rift? Yeah, a rift. Go to the other side. Other side of what? Oh, okay. You don't know anything. So he's gonna look around. Did he see his bedpost or no? Nothing. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have left the weapons for you. Okay. Or probably even recognize that there were weapons at that point. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna ask this figure. Um, so how'd you fight off the, those, um, those creatures off of me? Uh, there's not really, there's no killing them, that's for sure, but I took them down for the moment, but they'll be back up in time. Sorry, uh, do you have any weapons on you? I've got a few, enough to take care of myself here. So go ahead and pull one out. What, you, you want me to draw a weapon on you? No, just, just pull it out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you out. All right, and he reaches behind the it's a sort of collapsed section of wall that he's sitting on and he reaches behind it and he pulls out a heavy metal quarter staff and he tosses it to you oh okay um and then he's uh so Vasa's gonna cast imbued light on it okay go ahead and roll your d4 oh a one all right well that's good So you take one damage, and a little bit of light escapes from you and coats the quarterstaff, and it's kind of glowing a little bit, and you can tell it's now a holy weapon. And then I'm going to ask the guy, do you want me to do that to one, for one of your weapons? It'll help kill those creatures. Will it now? Yeah, I'm part of the <laughs> order. I'm, I'm on the other side. We, we fight these things. You fight these things? Yeah, when they try to come, <laughs> when, when they try to, come to our side. I still, don't, I still don't know what you mean about sides, but you telling me this thing can kill... One of those things? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and he just kind of dismisses you. Okay. That's fine. Um, so Vasto is then going to look out in the, I guess, the hallway. It's <laughs> like <laughs> big hole in the wall. And, um, he's going to, I don't know, I guess just survey and uh, just be on the lookout for any Danoa coming in. Um you don't, you don't really see anything. What you see out there is more of the same landscape that you've seen since you came in. Um, bits of rubble and broken structures, 
overrun with plant life that has been burned to ash. Um, the stranger sitting across from you says, you got a name, Death Wish? Yeah, Vasto. What about you? Hex. You can call me Hex. Nice to meet you, Hex. Nice to run into some uh, a friendly face on this side. And, uh, All right, you're oh, going to have uh, to start explaining what you mean by sides. Uh, I'll, I'll show you once I figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way back, so when, once I do, I'll, I'll show you. And uh, again, thanks for saving my life. I appreciate it. Yeah, don't mention it. Listen, uh, we can't stay here long. They'll find us eventually, so we we got to get moving. Uh, how how you how you feeling? You okay to to get out of here? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Let's let's do it. Do you have any place in any place in mind? <laughs> well, no. for now, it's just a matter of keeping moving so they don't find us. I told you, it's not it's not living here; it's surviving. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Ready to head out there right in your underwear again? There, huh? Like I have a choice. You know, you could ask. Oh, do you have do you have any extra extra uh, clothes there? Not, nah, you know what? I'm fresh out. I'm just playing with your friend here, <laughs> and he reaches into a pack, and he has some of that similar kind of not quite leather that he's wearing, and he passes it over to you, and you try it on, and it fits a little bit awkwardly, but it fits, and it the pant your pants stay up. And your shirt hangs a little lower than uh, than you'd normally like. It's a little big on you, but you're uh, you're wearing clothing now. I'm not naked. <laughs> yeah. And he says, "Hey, I want that staff back. I'll give you something else, though." Okay. So you give him back the staff? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll give it back to him. All right. He reaches into his bag, the same bag he pulled the clothing out of, and he pulls out a bracelet. The bracelet is metal uh, with a kind of dark-looking gem set into the center of it. And he says, here, take this. Uh, Vasto is a little confused. <laughs> like, I I thought you were going to give me another weapon? Put it on, genius. Uh, hesitantly, Vasto takes the bracelet and puts it on. Yeah, you um, you feel something when you slide it on your wrist, but... Nothing. Nothing actually happens. Like you, you do feel like a, almost like a course of energy come from it when you put it on, but it just goes on your wrist. Like, but what is this? Is this like a healing bracelet or something? Not exactly. Think about a. Think about a sword. All right. So immediately, Vasos like, nah, I'm not gonna think about a sword. I'm gonna think about an axe. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So he thinks about an axe. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Okay. You do know what a sword is, right, Deathwish? Okay, um, I'll, I'll think about a sword now. <laughs> so he thinks about as a sword. You, as you think about a sword, a blade of darkness manifests itself in your hand and hardens into sort of a black crystalline sword. Oh, nice. Okay. Does this uh, kill the other guys? Does this uh, kill the Denoa? As close to killing as we can get. All right, so Vasa is going to try... Um, uh, in, uh, imbued light on it. Go ahead and roll your d4. One. Again. All right, you take one damage. The light kind of escapes your body. It kind of starts to go over this sword, but it just fizzles off of it. Uh, I'm going to be like, can I have that other weapon back? I prefer <laughs> that one. Go ahead and roll a history check now that you are relaxed a little bit from your prior combat. All right, history, I have plus one for intelligence, so 11 plus one is 12. 
Okay. You would have remembered back at your previous combat when you saw this and you were trying to imbue this light on this, that the little sword dagger thing you were using actually dealt damage before you casted imbued light on it. Okay. Um, like, hey, man, you didn't happen to pick up that, um, or hey, Hex, you didn't happen to pick up that um, that dagger that it had back there, did you? I didn't see a dagger. I saw a broken fraction of a sword, but it didn't look like it was doing you much good. Oh, yeah, that that's what I was talking about. It it actually did damage to the guys. Is that so? Yeah. Huh, fancy that. And he seems very nonplussed by that. So, Hex, um... I mean, how how long has it been like this over here? Like all your life, or what? what what's your story? <laughs> My story's not really worth telling. <laughs> Come on, Deathwish, let's get moving. As you wish. You guys are able to scour around, and every once in a while, you'll see that Hex will stop, rummage through a little pile or something. Sometimes he'll throw something off to the side, pick it up in his hands, look at it, kind of like nod his head a little bit to the side, and then put it in his pack, and then he'll move on to another little pile and scrummage through that a little bit and move on. Um, and then are you going to have any chit-chat, John, with him, or is he going to be a pretty quiet person? I'll put it to you this way, Vaso. He'll make friendly small talk, but he's not going to have any real conversations with you. Okay. Not at this point. All right. Can I see his face at all, or is it covered? Oh, yeah, you can see his face. He's not hiding it or anything. Okay. Uh, what? What is... Yeah, what is he? Uh, he's an elf. He has kind of long silver hair. He, like I said, he's wearing those dark, almost leather clothes. He looks hardened. I think that's the best way to describe it. He's, He's got some wrinkles that you don't usually see on elves. Elves usually age pretty gracefully, but he's, uh, he looks like he's, some, he's seen some stuff and been through some stuff. He doesn't look like a, a doppelganger of anybody? <laughs> Nobody that you recognize, no. Nobody, okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, Mosto's just going to tag along, and I mean, he, he's always thinking about, you know, way back, like he's trying to think, you know, did he read anything about opening rifts or, um, you know, how, how to create that device, how to open rifts? <laughs> yeah, so as you're walking around, Hex is doing his scavenging, you're doing your contemplating. At one point, you are just kind of walking, and Hex stops and holds his hand up in the classic, like, stop moving signal. Okay. And Vaso stops. And you see him tense up and go on guard. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my sword out, and I'm going to be ready in action. Okay, so you think of the sword, so it forms in your hand, and you kind of get ready for whatever's coming around the corner. Yep. So as you and Hex are standing there kind of on guard, you're looking around, scanning the horizon, and then you start to hear a flapping sound. And you look up and you see two flying creatures. They're roughly about, um, I'd say, the size of an elf, so about the size of Hex. And mm-hmm. they're flying in the air, and they have that same shadowy Danoa presence. Mm-hmm. And they let out a very large shriek as they're going to come diving towards you guys. One's going to go for Hex, and one's going to go for Vasum. I'm going to cast Light Shield on myself. Okay. Three. Is that your ready to action, or is it an attack your ready to action? Uh, I was going to do that for my ready to action. Your the attack or the Light Shield? The Light Shield. Okay, perfect. That's what I was thinking. I, you only get one ready action, so I wanted to be clear. Yep. So it's going to attack Hex He's going to nimbly dive out of the way, kind of like he's had a lot of experience 
in survival, mm-hmm. and you have an extra three uh, armor class now, so you're up to 18, yep. if I remember correctly. And this thing comes in slashing at you. The first one hits for five, so it misses. And then the next one does get a crit, so it's going to hit you for six slashing damage. And I'm down again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so... Hex manages to get on his feet and run over to you, and he leans down, uh, puts his hand on your shoulder and says, hey, Deathwish, we're not done yet, and you recover another D12 of hit points. Uh, You recover seven hit points. Okay. As um, Hex is now kind of crouched with you here on the ground, and the two, it's two monsters, right? Like you said. Yep. Two flying monsters. Yeah. Two flying monsters are circling around the two of you. Okay. Yeah. He, he's going to, he, right, he's going to get up with Hex and, um, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go take cover. So you're going to try to run and flee? Yeah. Flee. So as you are running and fleeing, Hex takes off in front of you. Uh-huh. Um, he's a little bit faster than you are. Partly because he's used to moving in this armor. You just have new clothes on. You're already really beat up, so you're just a little bit slower. And as you're running and running, you all of a sudden just feel that heavy weight on your back as one of these flying creatures just digs the closet and just face plants you into the dirt. You look up and you see Hex kind of turn around and look at you, but then just shake his head and just keep running. Like he's not going to pass up this opportunity to escape. He's already helped you a couple of times. He just needs to save his own life at this point. And you put your arms up, you know, like to cover your head, trying to like roll around left and right, trying to get this thing off of you. And you're just feeling that same helplessness that you felt earlier. And all of a sudden you just hear this guttural roar just echo through this landscape. And almost immediately that pressure is off of your back and you hear this flapping and by the, turn, by the time you kind of roll onto your back and breathe a sign of relief, there's just nothing around you, and it's kind of quiet. So uh, when you so there's nothing around. Like I'm still in the same place, though. Yes. Okay. So as you're sitting, catching your breath, you kind of sit up to kind of like breathe heavier. Like I don't know what the heck just happened. Yeah. <laughs> but it's now you heard that guttural roar, and everything just kind of fled, and then it was just quiet, and then you begin to feel the ground shake around you. And about a hundred or about 1,500 feet in front of you, a huge hand, like the size of a dump truck, grasps the side of a crumbling building and pulls the rest of its hulking form into view. The creature, or more monstrosity that's in front of you, is humanoid-ish in that it has two massive legs, a trunk, arms, and a head. But the flesh of the monster is off. It's the consistency of a black, smoky ooze. There's constantly this like smoky fog moving over its body, kind of making it difficult to see, but you can tell that it's humanoidish in nature. Mm -hmm. As you're watching this, the monster breaks off a part of the building that was holding, and it starts just swinging it around aimlessly. Go ahead and roll an animal handling check. Animal handling. Okay, so I got uh, plus two for that. Uh, 19. All right. So um, 21 total. So. 21 total? Yep. You definitely can tell that even in this very strange setting you find yourself in, you still kind of put together that this monstrosity is definitely fighting something, some unseen enemy you can't see, but it also seems very afraid in its movements. Like it's very jittery going left and right, and it just reminds you of an animal that's being stalked. Okay. Um, so he's going to 
slowly get up and slowly stealthily make his way toward towards this monstrosity. As you go to stand up, you like put your arm back and you hear a little like branch crack. The monster stops flailing around, looks at you, tilts his head off to the side and is like, oh, I see something. Then it just starts crawling towards you at a really quick pace. Like it's just closing the distance, but on all fours, just crawling out, trying to close the distance to you. Keep in mind, it's about 1,500 feet away. So it's going to be there pretty soon. But as that colossal monster closes in on you, out of the corner of your eye, you see Benson. And he's about 100 feet away from you, just sprinting at you at full speed. And he's in his full order armor and it is shining brilliantly in this dark landscape and he is you are so relieved to see him (laughs) benson you call it to benson and he just comes running in at a full sprint just sliding in and kind of like catching with his leg so he ends up basically behind you so you're both looking at this monstrosity you're kind of like leaned up against his armor like he's wrapping around you Mm mm-hmm And as he does that, you're facing the monster, leaning back into Benson, and a stinging voice penetrates your mind. And it goes, help me, please, help. And at the same time, in your mind, you see a hand breaking through that hazy black ooze reaching out towards you. But then before you can capture that and like, understand what's going on, you feel Benson slip something into your hand. And Benson says to you, sorry, kid, this is going to hurt, as he squeezes your hand around a phase round, crushing it. And you feel yourself ripped through reality, feeling that same burning vertigo feeling that you felt when you first got sent here. As you take a D4 of damage, that's what we said, right, Mike? Yep, D4. As you take 1d4 of damage and you find yourself in the sunlight for the first time in what feels like days. All around you, you hear kind of the clamor of the city streets setting up for the festival. You smell that lovely buttery scent of fresh popcorn. And then as you kind of come into focus with your vision from that vertigo and you kind of relax a little bit, you find yourself laying on the street of Black Bay Harbor heavily leaning against Benson's armor as he supports your weight. And at this point, a crowd of citizens have formed around you, startled at the sudden appearance of the hero of Black Bay Harbor, cradling a bruised and broken body of a half-orc. And so the bard's tale has come to a close. Ah, what a splendid crowd you have been. We hope... We hope we'll see you again at Carriage Rest Inn. All right, so this is the part of the podcast that Sam loves the most. <laughs> that is where we go around asking uh, the questions of getting to know your players. But in this case, since it was kind of a spotlight episode, we're going to flip it up and say getting to know your character. So... What is Vaso feeling, or what is he thinking at this point in our story? Yeah, so he is just—I mean, he—he's defeated. Like he—he—he feels—he feels like he hasn't made any progress because he just like what he just went through. Like he couldn't handle it by himself. He died twice. You know, it's like you know he thought he was making progress, but you know, just after that, just defeating loss. He just—he just—he he just exhausted and just defeated. 
All right. Who does Vaso trust the most at this point, and who does he trust the least? Uh, he definitely trusts Vincent the most because, well, a he, you know, he's his leader, and uh, he's always guided him right, and you know, he gave him the light shield at the beginning, so you know, he's been able to bond with him a little bit. Um, so yeah, he definitely trusts him the most. You know, he 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 feels like he can always count on his guidance. Um, as far as trusting the least, uh, so right now it would have to be Woods because of our differential or diff, different views of like, you know, like she would doubt in the order yep. and, um, and you know, the order is his life and he, you know, he's going to, Vasa is going to dedicate his life to the order. So, you know, that's kind of, um, yeah, that's just a turn off for him. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> That is exciting. I hope you're enjoying the story so far. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I like it. It's great. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for uh, hanging around with us, and we will catch you guys next time. <laughs>